Hello, listeners. This is, per our annual tradition, a conversation pertaining to everyone's favorite holiday mascot, Howard the Duck. Uh, this is part one of our Howard the Duck book club uh, meetup. Look for part two in the not-too-distant future, and we hope you have had a happy holiday season. Yeah, she. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's the one where they set Scarlett Johansson on fire. Uh, my she references are falling flat. Yes. <laughs> it was... Uh, no, that is, that is, is weirdly how... That is the end of uh, Under under the Skin? Is under the, the Skin, yeah. Movie? Under yeah. the Tuscan Sun. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh. We're talking about Under the Tuscan Sun, right? <laughs> yeah, where they set Diane Lane yeah. on fire at the end. <laughs> yeah, the end of... Burn the witch! Burn the witch! <laughs> It burns like the Tuscan sun, she cries. <laughs> Take that, Tedro. <laughs> Bester, <sighs> I hope that when you die and they have your tombstone carved, they carve Take that, Sandro, onto it. <laughs> that I mean, will be your epitaph. And, and then the, 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 the end credits music for that is uh, that the well-known, or not so well-known, the lesser-known Smash Mouth it walking on the Tuscan Sun. <laughs> I mean, that is the right time period for them to have used Smash Mouth in a movie. So it's possible walking on the sun is in under the Tuscan Sun. And the overlap oh, between make... the Diane Lane and Smash Mouth fan base I mean, is enormous. I am to bet good money that like not a one of us has seen. Walking on the Sun is from like 1997. Yeah, so it's it's possible. Yeah. It's it's not impossible. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, Diane Lane's timeless. I pulled those dates from memory. I have no idea if they're right. Yeah, I think I think Under the Tuscan Sun's more like 2000. 2003. No, it's definitely 2004, 2000. Okay, yeah. It's 2003, yeah, according right. to Wikipedia. Okay. All, right, All right, that's later than I thought. I may be and confusing it with Captain uh, Captain Murley's Mandolin. But good, good. When yeah. was mm. Walking on the Sun? Because I'm betting. 97. All right. Wow. Good. Good poll on the. I just, uh... I just looked at the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit! You've got you've got the Smash Mouth wiki uh, memorized. Yeah, I'm going to bigger Smash Mouth. I'm going to bigger Smash Mouth somewhere in the multi bigger mouth. We need to focus and okay. we need to talk about I'm, the bigger Howard theory. I'm going. Yes. I'm going. I'm going, I'm going to swing us. Time. I'm going to swing us back onto the well, not back onto. I'm going to swing us onto the path here. Looking at the yeah. cast list of Under oh, the Jesus. Tuscan Sun. <laughs> Your book has a different cover than mine. It does. Looking at the task uh, cast list of oh, Under the Tuscan you Sun. You all those books. Credited. Well, yeah, but I bought them online. I didn't send them from my yeah. home. Well, this credited. is why I asked about pagination, because I think I might have, like, different uh, page numbers. Uh, let's hear what Stefan has to so say about Under the Tuscan Sun. I'm so committed to this shitty transition. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. on, on the cast list of Under the Tuscan Sun, uh, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, 22nd build... Uh, actor is none other playing the role of colleague is none other than <laughs> Matt Salinger, Captain America himself, oh in a movie God. that we watched a few years ago, about the same time so, as we watched Howard the Duck for the first time. The shitty transition there was that you used the term build, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> quack, quack, Mr. Say, quack, quack, Mr. I will Duxworth. say, we could potentially come up with a bigger Howard theory, because right near the end of the section that we read, we do get the height of Howard the Duck in the novel as 211. And we could potentially try and figure out how tall he is in the movie and figure out which one is I the bigger like he Howard. I taller than three feet, personally. Well, I, Howard the Duck is a three foot tall anthropomorphic duck, according to Wikipedia, but that's for the yeah. comics. Oh, yeah. Me, I mean, it's, he's about uh, two foot ten, according to uh, this. Saying three feet could be a generalization or, you know, yeah. rounding. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's that time of year when we talk about Again, Howard the Duck. But this year we're doing it. Uh, we're doing it a little differently than we've done in previous years. Uh, instead of watching Howard the Duck or watching Howard the Duck and talking over it as we watch it, this year we opted for a more literary approach. We have. I forgot that we did that. We did. Yeah. Um, I and specifically, I I couldn't figure out how to get the sound to work so I could hear you and the movie at the same time. So I literally was I was only watching it. There was no sound. <laughs> got that oh my god um, so this is our third year of howard the duck christmas content right? yes that's correct next year we should probably watch it memento style where we set up the scenes going backwards <laughs> sure yeah oh the, uh, there, i bet it, there are some cut? like 
I bet there's some like early uh, early DVD players that were also like CD players that might have a shuffle, shuffle the feature, chapters, yeah. so that we can yeah. do like a shuffle uh, shuffle yeah. uh, the chapters. Yeah, exactly. That's next year. This year we are reading the official novelization of Howard the Duck. Uh, this may end up being one episode, Howard or I might release it as a part one and part two. Uh, for those of you interested at home, we have read through we're the end of chapter it. nine. Part one. Yes. Yes. Um, we have read through the end of chapter nine. And uh, the introduction of the pedophile. Yes, we're going to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the book, he's not a pedophile by death because he is. We don't know that yet. Patrick. We don't know we anything do not about know that for sure. So we're going to talk about this as a work of literature. And we're also going to talk about uh, some of the areas where it diverges from the film. Um, Dooge, it was. I.e. where it gets good. Yes. Yeah. Dooge, yeah, it actually. was. It was your idea to do this, and so committed to it were you that you bought us all paperback copies of Howard the Duck and had them mailed to us. Now, to be clear, listeners, we did not know this was occurring. It just like, literally, dudes just, just asked, like, hey, everybody, could you remind us what your addresses are? I was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was, like, for a Christmas card. And all of a sudden, this bag arrives at my, his package arrives at my doorstep, and inside it's there's a Howard the Duck with a duck in it. Yes. Also, uh, also, he was so committed that he had to buy a second copy because Christmas present. Stefan wasn't. Uh, mine, one of you mine got lost in the mail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so I have a question. Six, seven copies of Howard the Duck. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Uh, my version is in British English. Oh my. Uh, so it's it has really? British spellings and stuff. Oh, I think uh, yours did come from England. So uh, one of them yours up, Derek? I'd like to see England, the cover. And I did not know that ahead of time. Okay. Mine's definitely an American publication. Uh, okay. Yeah, mine's you've an American got, publication. Yeah, you've got the same. Looks. Hmm. Uh, Hold on. Let me see. Montana Press. Mine is also. Uh, okay. I, think I, I think we have the same edition. I had not especially noticed British spelling. You didn't though. notice that Howard was speaking with a Cockney bootblack accent? Boy, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. a duck here in Cleveland. What? 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 Yeah, no. Mine is mine is also the British edition. Were there specific British spellings that popped out at you? Uh, yeah. So I mean, just every once in a while, uh, like so on page seventy-one near the end of the page, defenseless with a C. Has, uh, it's the worst uh, cocky accent I've heard since Duck Van Dyke. And Mary oh, no, this right. is a random thought, but just bear with me for a second. So Brit- the, the Brits, they spell color with a U, which has given me the idea for a Howard the Duck color out of space crossover, since both the color and Howard are out of space. Mm. So uh, let's, let's uh, come yes. back to that we next year. So, uh, but yes. for, for this year, we've read through chapter <laughs> yes. nine. Next year, we're going to do a Lovecraftian RPG based around Howard the Duck. I, I mean, I this could, movie is, I am I mean, completely is, capable of running that. Do not tempt me, Bester. Do not tempt me. I will do that. Oh, absolutely. That monster, I mean, absolutely. Howard the plot the is super Lovecraftian. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, your yes. job between now and next year is to make a Howard the Duck RPG that we can play. I can literally do that in a week. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the Damn, novelization. I call dibs on playing Kareem Abdul Jabarn Swallow. Yes. Um, Dude. <laughs> yes. Uh, you purchased these books for all of I us. Did. Could you yes. could you give us a little bit of background as to why you thought this was a good idea? Um, so I had I don't know, at some point reading about Howard the Duck. It was probably on the Wikipedia page. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I had come across uh, the. Uh, rep- apparently the Howard the Duck novelization has a, has a good reputation uh, and has been compared to uh, the writing styles of like your Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, almost in disbelief uh, from this, but I had read it on the internet, so I knew it had to be true. Mm-hmm. So I thought <laughs> this would be a good uh, alternative to just watching the film again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wanted to inflict it on all of you, my friends, uh, and thus uh, on the reader uh, from there. So this novelization was written by Ellis Weiner, who was uh, editor of National Lampoon back in the day. And Dooge, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think this is the best idea you've had in a very long time. This book is a goddamn delight. <laughs> no, this book is it's fun as hell. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is going to work out better than I. I may be wrong, but I think last year's uh, commentary style episode was also my idea. Yep. Uh, and I feel like that one probably did not work out as well. But maybe next year's commentary will be better. 
I don't know. Yes. We'll the year, the year after we do the that's RPG. On that's on me. Yeah. I just, I just, the year after we do the RPG, we can do Howard the Duck, the VR experience. I just want to say that this year Whoa. I have re- I've been reading uh, Ron Chernow's biography of Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, I read James B. Stewart's Disney War, which was fascinating. I started making my way through the uh, Harry Dresden novels, which are a lot of. Oh, fun. you're reading those? We should talk about those later. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm only I took a break in, from I'm the only, Dark Tower to read this. Yeah, I'm only in Stormfront right now, uh, but I'm okay. going to get oh, through. Oh, you them. are in for such a treat! I'm so excited to talk to you about them when you're done. Um, but that's for right. later. But this may be all my right. favorite thing I've read this year. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. It's legit. Well, like, I, I, I like. So I actually looked up Ellis Weiner's like backstory and. Are you okay, okay Bester? <laughs> oh no, I was just—I was just trying to think. I was like, because I like spent this—I've you know been writing my dissertation. I think this is the first piece of fiction I have read in two years. Okay, you, you, I, wow. I like, welcome you, back. The look at your face; it made me genuinely concerned for your health. Yeah. I was trying to—I was doing the math, trying. trying to remember when it was that I when it was that I read two thirds of American Gods, which uh, I think was two summers ago. Huge, what's weird about this, and like I—I I suppose we could just start diving into the book. Is that like one? It really is fun. Like the Douglas, there is a very Douglas Adams sensibility to it. There's yeah. actually a bit of a Terry Pratchett sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. Like it opens I think of with, them as two sides of a coin, mm-hmm. sci-fi they and are. fantasy. Like it, they, they, like the, it opens with like the narrator having an argument with a great cosmic voice, which is really funny. Yeah, there are all these great ridiculous inserts. Like one of my favorite inserts is the backstory of the Aerodyne Lab. Yeah, which okay, is that was incredible. <laughs> hilarious. Oh yeah, completely meaningless to the plot, but it was so goddamn yeah. funny. I did not care. Or the Philzy like the filzy like mm-hmm. fashion uh profile yeah i would say i, 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 I would I say like a lot this, like a lot of this is very faithful to like the movie like a lot of it's mm-hmm. the same dialogue a lot of same events you know mm-hmm. clearly you know i'm assuming this was written based off the uh, screenplay and it seems like the film that they made was pretty much exactly the same yep. thing with like some slight changes here and there but yeah whenever whenever wiener sort of goes off script and like goes off mm-hmm. of one of these tangents yes absolutely it's great well, well even when, he, when like... he just starts i mean th- there's it, the task that he clearly gave himself was to fill in the blanks he said everything yes. that's yes. on the yes. Yes. everything yes. that is in the script i will keep but everything that is not in the script is mine yes mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he he smooths out a lot of sort of moments of the of of that that don't make as much sense in the final filmed product yeah because he can get into howard's head Mm-hmm. And so, like, he can kind of explain, like, and to Beverly's like, head. It's right, not. Like, it's not entirely limited to just Howard. All like, of oh, yeah, yeah, actually, my favorite. Uh, out likable. My like favorite really great extended. Oh, was uh, uh, just my favorite duck pun was in the. Whoa, 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 uh, dude! Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. We're already of, going uh, into favorite duck puns. Well, no, I'm yeah, just. I'm not gonna wrap up with that, dude. Yeah. For anyone who has read the book, my favorite duck pun duck pun was in Beverly's backstory when she's reminiscing about her childhood. Uh, All right. Well, yes. At some point, we definitely need to circle back and do best, mm-hmm. best duck puns. But also, I would like to talk about like most inscrutable puns because there's definitely <laughs> some puns that are like I don't know why this is a pun. Um, the cigar names all like confuse me. <laughs> yep. um, but no, the, there's, the, there's like a really great bit where they like have a deep meditation about Howard's like self hatred of himself oh, and yeah, how yeah. this is driving him. Right I'm like, I'm like literally it, saying, it actually, like, this is deep as hell. This is actually yeah, very insightful. It really works as characterization for why he's so, uh, oh god, foul mouthed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and why he's so reactive when you know yeah. people treat him poorly. Well, like, I, I, couldn't, it, I couldn't help but read Howard's character here as almost a you know what could have been for the movie i mean Mm -hmm. uh, you know almost as if there's uh you know kind of a bit of maybe not the original vision for the character but something even kind of deeply embedded in in what what maybe seemed uh to make this script work on on paper in a way that it didn't work on screen um because howard i think really is a different character in in this novel, given all of, you know, the internal mm-hmm. uh, narration yeah. you get of him. I mean, I, I got a real sense of like, he's almost just like this, this jaded noir kind of, um, kind of protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Even, we even get this... a much better sense of his, yeah, the noir, like, I mean, and he talks a lot about like, you know, again, yeah. through, through the, through the gauze of 
duck puns, but like right. his, his <laughs> specific like influences and like he's well, like, he thinks about right. And, and I mean, and that that reads as a kind of world weariness in the novelization, where in the film he just comes off as kind of a lech. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it was it was just interesting to to see that kind of you know remediation of <laughs> yeah absolutely I think all all of the characters as a general statement and again we're halfway through God knows what the second half of the novel will hold uh, but right. all of the characters come off significantly better in the novel than they do yes. in the film mm-hmm. and I think part of that is you do get those moments of character insight but part of it is uh, we we keep talking we've talked about this before um, I feel like. Filzy in particular is the part of the film that does make my skin crawl as much as anything. Like Tim, young Tim Robbins trying so hard to act in a film is just yes. brutal to watch. And yet in in this version, uh, my favorite line so far in the book comes from that Filzy insert. And yeah. it is, uh, I take all I take all my clothes off when we have sex. So that's my wardrobe for that. But then, so does, <laughs> but then so does everyone else, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I will. I will say I, I will quibble a little bit with your with uh, you saying that everyone comes off better because I think I think novel Filzy is like we get a bit more sense of him as kind of like an opportunist yeah. that we don't really see in the in the books. He's definitely a much like more fleshed out and interesting character. But I think I think I have more of a sense that he is kind of a self, uh, opportunistic jerk here as opposed to just a weird bumbling dweeb as he is in the uh in the uh the movie which also might be just a side effect of that like tim robbins let's face it has charisma flowing out of his ears not when he was 23 years old or whatever no that's true yeah that's true um but i will also i'll also say um like they they explain how like the connection to to filzy here in a way that Mm -hmm. is not in uh the movie at all i think we've Mm -hmm. we've definitely talked about this in our previous conversations about howard duck that there is absolutely no explanation as to how beverly knows uh phil and yeah. you know it's still it's you know not the most you know sophisticated uh, connection in the world but like there is mm-hmm. there's some connective tissue that's ge- being pulled in here that is I, not in the uh in the novel or in the in the film the novel like flushes these out gives explanation for why does this punk rock chick know this uh-huh. wee bit uh in you know the, i love that uh, in, in museum in phil's background uh part where he's you know like responding to an interviewer who does not exist uh, to explain <laughs> various elements of his life. Oh, is that? He describes, uh, I, I can't remember her name Ronette. from the band, Ronette, or who Matt, I believe date, Ronette. it won lukewarm date uh, as a girl that he sees occasionally. No. Uh, he's lying even in the background part, but also that is uh, essentially the same thing that Howard does when mm-hmm. he makes up this fiance that he has at home, mm-hmm. uh, he just takes someone that he had like a minor relationship with and blows it out of proportion. Although I will say, as we learn a couple chapters later, they do get back together. Depending yes. on when this fake interview is done, might yes. not be a lot. True. True. Yes. Yeah. I, I will actually oh, yeah, down, and I know, again, we're only still part way through. I think it is even doing a better job, at least so far. And again, we 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 only just got into the Lovecraft nonsense in this yeah. in this of mythology. Of tying, you mispronounced the, mythology. In tying in the uh, in the Lovecraftian sort of like the 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 plot makes a little more sense just because they actually like there's a there's a bit where um, I think it's Carter. It's the it's Carter, the guy who yeah. comes with Filzer. Was he? Carter da- was he, the da- he wasn't the David Paymer character. I think that is the uh, David Payne character. character? Okay. I think so. Anyway, he he explicitly he actually explains what basically happened is that when they were act- activating it, they were trying to do something else entirely, and then something took control of the of the array and like yanked yeah. it out of alignment, and then brought Howard there. And then when we get to when when they get to the lab, the thing has taken control of the array again and yanked it out of alignment, and the Dark Lord has come down. Basically, the implication being that what happened was. The Dark Lord was somehow able to reach into the array, yank it out of alignment, mm-hmm. uh, and it just by happenstance grabbed Howard in the process. Yeah. I'm like, okay, see, now I actually understand. It and makes I think a little bit more sense. I think I think some of that is in the movie, but yeah, it's certainly much better explained. I would also say that the that the novel does a better job of like making uh, Howard and Beverly's attraction 
like mm-hmm. kind of makes sense like it's yeah, still yeah. a weird thing to do and like there's <laughs> even sort of a part where like wiener's like am i really doing this is this really happening what the fuck <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah like, like the seduction scene like feels like much more sort of like like this is legitimately we might be about to like be seeing a like human duck on duck action and it's not like oh my god what is happening is like okay i'm kind of into this yeah that, uh, that, that point that ones. Ahead, that Derek. point that you that you made, uh, Nick, makes me makes me think um, the extent to which you could have a kind of novelization like like this today. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you know that uh, the sort of market for you know these kinds of paratexts, mm. um, it w- was maybe not as kind of centrally controlled in the nineteen eighties yeah. as mm-hmm. it is. It is as it is today because you're absolutely right that like the the narrate I mean the narrator here is kind of poking fun at the story itself at points oh, not yeah. not in a cynical oh, yeah. way but it's like <laughs> I, uh, um, the and and so like there's there's this weird like distancing of of the uh, the novelization from its own <laughs> source material that like yeah. I can't imagine that happening for well, so, a well, contemporary. I it's may I, uh, may I yeah, read do, a passage very briefly? Dude, you, you oh. do that and then I have a comment about novelizations. Okay, this yeah. is page 73. Cormay uh, once more triumphant flicked her hand dismissively. Now get! Howard got glad to be out of there. Never mind the abuse, the insults, the taunts, the intimidation. He was starting to get a little tired of the duck jokes. Who isn't? But that I was great. And the fate of those who were yeah, that who is a story. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, that's fantastic. But the, uh, the, the point you, you've about, got a point in novelization. I have a point in novelization. It may be the same point. Go ahead. All right. Um, so I sent a text out when I was reading this that said, Alan Dean Foster, eat your heart out. Um, hmm. But Alan Dean Foster is the person that I always think of when I think of novelizations in this period of time. Because yeah. he, um, he wrote a shitload of them. And I was just trying to think, like, He's he's still working, and he's an incredibly prolific, prolific writer. Uh, we do not, in 2019, sorry to date the podcast, uh, I feel we do not have an Alan Dean Foster of our own anymore, except for the man. I don't I don't think of novelizations of popular yeah. media as something that I see anymore. They don't, I don't really do them anymore. Yeah, I just, I just looked them up, and like I looked up Avengers novelization, just because like, that's a big enough franchise that I might expect it. And the only things that are coming up are junior novelizations. I think I think there's still a market for like kids, like, you know, pre, uh, preteen, uh, young adult things. But yeah, I don't think like just like Wild Wild West is coming out. We need someone to write a novel of Wild Wild West. A novel that I have read. I have read the novelization of Wild Wild West. Did it give you uh, a richer appreciation of the film? I, I yes, because again, it does like fill in some gaps in, in, in those kinds of ways. But I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that does like standard a part of like the two thousands two thousand tens paratextuality avalanche of franchising as it was in the nineties. The the closest that I can I can say is that that um I'm sorry they've experimented with it a bit, but a lot of it has to do with sort of like the death of publishing. Um, but yeah. the the closest that ha- that I know of is that um the Disney has published some tie-in novels that fill out pieces of the mcu mm. but they're not yeah. like like for example i think thanos has a uh, has a backstory novel mm. that is a by all accounts thanos actually, chronicles actually, it's actually by all accounts pretty good um yeah, with george lucas work but um, like it, yeah. but like the, these are straight up i remember i had this strong memory before i ever saw the shadow movie with alec baldwin <laughs> i read the shadow novel <laughs> yeah we forgot about as that. we I all read the shadow as we all did <laughs> Yeah. I read the shot, the novelization for the movie, and the novelization was way more interesting than the actual movie itself. Yeah, I, I had the, I had the same experience with Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think I will. Yeah, so I think I think when things that do have novels as part of their you know transmedia paratextual strategies, I think do tend to be more on like the taking the sort of the EU model of mm-hmm. we're going to tell additional stories, not just mm-hmm. like here you may not have seen Age of Ultron yet. Here's a novel. But I also want to point out that while searching for Assassin's Creed, I did find one official tie-in novel. Uh, I just spoiled it because I said it out loud. Assassin's Creed, uh, the film from a couple years ago with Fassbender, that has a novelization. Uh, and it's by Christy Golden, who is a, an author who also does a lot of uh, tie-in novels. I was about to say, I know that, that Assassin's Creed, the video game series, has like a butt-ton of, ac- of yeah. t- novel tie-ins. I can, actually, I can actually 
confidently say right now, the mode of novelization has moved away from film into video game. There is a shitload huh. of World of Warcraft novelizations. There is yeah. a shitload of yes. again, Halo Christy Golden novelizations. Christy Golden is is like one of those. There's a, definitely a, a cadre of of authors. Christy Golden's one who she definitely writes a lot of World of Warcraft novels. I think she writes uh, Halo novels. She also writes Star Wars novels because there still are like Star Wars novels and novellas and Star stuff Trek like that. novels. Star Trek, awesome. you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, film, I think like just sort of one off film novelizations aren't really a thing anymore, but you know, we need, we need a novel based on Star Trek, based on Farscape, based on, you know, a mm-hmm. video game Final or a TV Fantasy show. I think it's or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I bet there's some Final Fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take us down a, another rabbit hole real quick before we pull back out and talk about the book. Um, are you guys, Dooge is almost certainly familiar with this. Um, the Worlds of Power novelization series. That sounds really familiar, but I couldn't place it. That sounds. I think I have. This sounds like of them. So six to eight, maybe. Just from just from the title, I'm expecting that it's some sort of weird backdoor pilot into getting people into Stormfront. Uh, just just so I just so I know I'm, I'm remembering the right thing. Those are the novelizations of NES games. That's correct. Right? They are novelizations. Okay. Yes. of NES. I have games. read. Bionic Commando, and possibly one of the Mega Man... No, I read... Is there a Final Fantasy? So there are ten books in the series. Hold on, let me see how how many of these I can remember. I know Metal Gear, uh, Bionic Commando, uh, Mega Man 2, Shadowgate, uh, Arrow Strikers, there's a plane one. Uh, Uh, It's a jet fighter, yeah, that's it. Uh, Or no, it's a helicopter with missiles on the side. Mm -hmm. Uh, then there's, oh, uh, it's not Bayou Billy. I can't remember any others specifically. Right. So, so first of all, these were all created, uh, or the, the concept was created by Seth Godin, who you will, if you know him at all, you know him because he looks exactly like the turtle man from Masters of, uh, Master of Disguise. <laughs> um, yes. but, uh, all, all of these, uh, so there's Mega Man 2, uh, Metal Gear, uh, Bionic Commando, Infiltrator, Shadowgate, Bases Loaded 2, second season, uh, Wizards and Warriors, uh, Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest, Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Ninja Gaiden, that was the other one we had. Blaster Master. I find oh, it very strange how many of those are too. sequels. Uh, we also may have just lost Patrick, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I would. Why is it not a Mega Man? Why is it not Castlevania? Why? Why is it Castlevania Two? I mean, it's, Mega Man it's, it's Two odd. was a much bigger hit than Mega Man was. Castlevania Two, oh, yeah. I don't get though. It's also interesting to me. Mega like, Man those Two are all was made... ubiquitous. Oh yeah, it was everywhere. Those are all made by a bunch of different companies, which I also find interesting. It's not Here... first. It's not first party Nintendo stuff. I, I have, but it's like you got to mix of Konami and what? Capcom and whatnot. I have a question. Oh, I think of Mega Man. Anyone besides me, and it might just be me, remember the Nintendo Adventure books. Which were choose your own adventure style books. Only they also had like little mini puzzles, where you could actually determine the best choice of action or what your action would be. So like you know you, and they were all based on Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda, and they were fucking awesome. I think I have a Mario Brothers one, perhaps. Oh, I they were Legend of Zelda ones. Yeah, there were two. There are only two Legend of Zelda ones, but okay. it was. That just, sounds like a dangerous so rabbit hole for me yeah. to go down. Well, I feel oh, like, I, 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 I am, I am in danger of literally trying to see if I can download all of them right we, now. We, all right. Have, we have gone down a rabbit hole. Let's pull back right. out of this. Wait, wait, wait. B- okay. before we get entirely out of the rabbit hole, one question: Which podcast recording was it that I entirely derailed with factoids from uh, Master of Disguise? God damn it! Does anyone remember? I can't remember. Guess I go back what, and listen to all of them now. Was that was I was I on that one? I don't remember that one at all. I don't know. For some reason, there was some bit where I was just reading you off read every pieces IMDb of trivia platform. from the IMDb trivia piece. Let me see. Best okay, let's see if we can connect this. Master is, of the uh, is Dana Carvey. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, the reason turtle, I brought it up turtle. was that the best piece of trivia on Netflix is that the uh, that the turtle room scene was filmed on 9/11. That there was a moment of silence <laughs> during the filming of the Master of Disguise. I'm going to I'm going to lay money looking at the um, meager show notes that I provide to these episodes and say it was our Ant Man episode because the podcast tagline I have for that episode is he's a master of disguise. <laughs> that's wow. that's got to be okay. it. That's that's the only yeah, explanation. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Howard the Duck. Um, 
Do we want to proceed chapter by chapter, or do we want to move thematically through the the remainder of the? Oh, book? are we getting ready to start the podcast? Let's start the podcast. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like we've already spoken a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we can. Me. I mean, I would say, I would say, I mean, going through chapter by chapter, it's you know. 90% the same That's events fair. as the film. I want to make sure there's a section on the alley because I really enjoy how much the alley features. I want to talk, this a, I want to talk about the alley. The alley is a character, yeah. I want to yeah, talk about yeah, the alley a, and then I want to talk about chapter in, seven. In the movie too. Let's talk about the alley and then let's talk about chapter seven and then let's talk about duck buns. So, dude, talk about the alley. Uh, I just really like that they make such a big deal out of the <clears> alley because it seems entirely inconsequential, but also uh, it, it does occur least i remember it being you know a set piece in the in the movie like he shows up in an alley and then they spend a while in this alley mm-hmm. i don't remember whether they return to the alley uh, i think there movie. is a second scene but, in the alley yeah we should say that uh I, I think bester you watched this section of the film right i watched <clears throat> i watched up until like him storming out of filzy because like that's where i had read uh last uh, night and then i forgot to like boot it back up and watch like the remaining 20 minutes so like pretty much pretty much him like getting a job through uh where we read i i did not watch the i can say you know reading that chapter i'm like yeah that is what happens when he's in that weird uh we're and again it seems like ellis wiener is just as confused by the uh by the hot tub uh bordello as we have been the last few times we've watched this movie because it's so weird and like the the explanation of it is like howard's like none of this makes any sense what is this place that I'm working at? I was like, that's been our reaction to this place. It's so mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I certainly, I love the little world building in the, when he goes to the, the when he works at the terrible bath place. Mm-hmm. The little world building note that that there are actually very well-maintained municipal public baths in Duck yeah. World. <laughs> and, like, the, and ducks can't swim. Or yeah, like, can't I, swim. I, I remember thinking like, wow, that is a really interesting little world building bit that totally makes sense. And it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, there's a lot of, like, little, little details there, uh, which kind of belies how, like, lazy it is that it's just called Duck World, that this is the name of their planet, <laughs> Duck World. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's a great little detail. Uh, you know, the, the scene of him, like, buying clothes uh, from Goodwill, that's not in the, that's not in the movie. Nope. It, like, cuts directly to him being... Uh, in the ridiculous at, clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the ridiculous clothes. And again, based on the fact that this novel was almost certainly, like, somebody gave him the script by... Uh, Willard Cats and, and, yep. and Gloria Katz. Uh, presumably, that scene is in the uh, is in the uh, screenplay. I imagine. Mm. Uh, and I wonder, was it filmed? Did they drop it? I don't know. I'm curious, like the production process behind all this. Mm. So, I want to talk about Chapter Seven, and I want to talk about Chapter right. Seven because th- this, to me, is the chat. Like, th- there the sexy are... time chapter. No, uh, maybe at the end of it, and I think. Chapter eight is a sexy dumb chapter. Um, chapter yes. seven is the one where, um, like, it becomes such an over the top parody of the noir hero inflection oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it comes back around on itself and actually becomes the thing that it's trying to parody. And I, I want to read. Uh, so the context is Howard has just quit his sleazy bathhouse job and is now wandering the streets and reflecting on. Oh. His existence. The name, of that, the name of that bathhouse is Hot Tub Fever. Thank you. Yes. I had to look that up. Um, Howard's Which, Hot Tub he Fever has a, He has a jacket from there that he's put in his away bag uh, mm-hmm. near the end when he's <laughs> fleeing. But it's. I, I want to read this passage because when I read it, I, I had to put the book down and think about it for a minute. Um, yeah. you know, it's um, on the lamb from everyone and no one, surrounded by an alien species on a planet he'd never even heard of. This is it, Howard thought, pausing for breath against a cold wall. This is the perfect metaphor for the duck condition. Estranged from himself and mad at everyone else, imprisoned for no crime in a place he had nothing to do with. Howard the duck, trapped in a world he never made. <laughs> yes, it's incredible. Uh- yeah, I also I also really like it's doing a lot of that sort of thing. And there's one. Uh, this is just sort of a great kind of Douglas Adams esque uh, thing. Uh, it was a Moody Howard that walked the streets in the Cleveland gloaming, and then it provides the the, the, the dictionary definition of gloaming. Because <laughs> gloaming seems like exactly the sort of overwrought noir word that you would expect yeah. there, and <laughs> then just like like three lines of explaining what gloaming mm-hmm. means. 
a veritable well, symphony of the night. It's just the dictionary definition. Yeah. <laughs> Noun. <laughs> yeah. And like, did he choose Webster's Seventh New Collegiate because Webster's is a duck pun? I had to. Had to be. Also, I love the is a duck pun. I love the song that's playing from the radio the size of a washing machine. Gonna do a thing. Gonna do a thing. Gonna do a thing. Gonna do a thing. And then there's also like the the like feverish just like uh, interview on TV that he sees mm-hmm. with this man like incoherently ranting about how he's gonna kill all the ducks. Yes, he's gonna kill the <laughs> new limit of ducks he's legally allowed to kill, which is twice as many ducks as previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reporter asks Earl Payne. Does it hurt the animals when he's shot? Oh, hell oh, yes. yes. I mean, I suppose so. As the song <laughs> goes, strange. be kind to your fine feathered friends. For a yeah. duck might be somebody's mother, he laughed. Unfortunately, somebody's mother could well find herself looking down the business end of a double barrel. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, no, this, yeah, no, it's... this is the best thing I've read all year. Um, do we want to talk about duck puns? I wouldn't go quite that far because I've been uh, reading the tower. Fair enough. But, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I think. Uh... All right, so what's everyone's favorite duck pun? Decoy Tyner. I wouldn't call this a pun. It's just a well. I mean, I guess it's a pun. But uh, when when Beverly's thinking about her childhood uh, daydreaming in class and not wanting to be a normal person, and the teacher calls on her, she just says, "Sir Fa- Francis Drake." <laughs> I hadn't even put that together. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, uh, Gary Gary Coop, the star of Bad Day at Quack Rock. <laughs> yeah, I like there's the, a Duckminster Fuller duck, reference, duck and like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't especially make sense. I just realized I've been on mute for like the last ten minutes, and I've been saying so much. Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah, I thought yeah, it was we, surprising that you were not. Yeah, uh, you were very quiet. <laughs> you you yeah. cut out for a moment there. All right. Anyway, do, is there anything you'd like to go back and? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, okay. Real quick rundown. One, <laughs> I discovered that this year. Marvel has finally announced what Howard's last name is, and it's Duxon. Okay. Two. <laughs> yes. Uh, mystery solved. Yeah, two. <laughs> I love that flashback with Beverly. I think that actually really went a long way to explain. God damn it, I've been frozen. Oh no, I thought it was no, 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 you were all just so sl- you're all so still that you were frozen. We're, we're in Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> um, Waiting for Godot. Really lo- <laughs> that 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 flashback that Dude references is actually a really fantastic flashback, and it kind of gets back into the level of we. This the novel gives us a kind of understanding of why the characters are behaving the way they are, in a way that the movie doesn't, because yeah. we kind of get why Beverly is so like ready to roll with a mm-hmm. alien duck because it's really just part of her character. Um, and three, my favorite duck pun is. A stupid one, but I love it anyway. In that it's Mallard Fillmore. Yeah, Ma- Mallard mm, Fillmore. Yeah. Years before the Mallard Fillmore comic strip began, so which yes. I had to look up when you mentioned it because I'd never heard of it before. Oh, yeah. I, I unfortunately did not need yep. to look it up. It's not very good. Um, but yes, I was, I was, the, I, I enjoyed that as well. I mean, the the great thing about the duck puns in the book as opposed to the movie is that. Um, kind of like what you were talking about before with the the noir narration and how it kind of spins back around from yeah. like self parody to awesomeness. The puns do the same yes, thing. Mm-hmm. Where the first yeah. couple of times you read the puns, you're like, "Oh God, is this going to be the case throughout the entire book?" But then it reaches this like sublime state of just like puns that are that are perfect or that are understated or that are easy to miss like yeah. um larry bird my favorite yeah, puns yeah. are the ones that are not puns they're just, <laughs> right so th- there was uh, the section that i texted about the other day um dave brubeek which ah, yes. that's a good pun yeah. but then <laughs> in, immediately <laughs> followed by chick korea and herbie hancock <laughs> yeah I I really yeah, I had to, I had to read that a couple times to go like is there a pun in Herbie Hancock I'm missing or is it just cock? <laughs> That's it. I really enjoyed that at one point they abandon ducks completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's like page ninety six ninety seven. Uh, they reference Beverly Hills cod and the Wall Street gerbil. Yep. Yes. I, I, wanted, I wanted to talk about that because that was my most inscrutable pun: the Wall Street gerbil. Uh, mm-hmm. because. 
I mean, it's just, you know, it's, the ca- it's just, the cage it's just an animal foul. named the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, so that was great. I don't think there's I, anything deep here. I understand, but, like, why is it, like, this is a planet of ducks. Why is it, why have they replaced the word journal with gerbil? Uh, d- don't think too much about this. It's just a different animal. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. And they also I'm have gonna. gerbils there, possibly. Maybe. So, anyway, you know, anyway, maybe, yeah, that's, that, that was, maybe that's that the was one way like, in which English differs from uh, duckies. I mean, fair enough. La cage uh, au fowl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just to, just in case you don't know French, make it very clear yep. what that means. Wasn't there a Norman Mailer joke in there, too? Uh, it was yeah, it's right above here. Uh, yeah, yep, they Norman saw Mailer. Beverly Hills Cod. She loved it. He, he'd hated it. Yeah, Howard Mallard. read Norma, Norman, Mallard. Norman Mallard and listened to the Squawking Hawk. Squawking, squawking Heads. Head. <laughs> yes, that Wendy, was possibly my favorite. Wendy's idea was the fr- of reading was the front page of the Wall Street Gerbil. <laughs> which also i feel like in context it would make sense for it to be a much more sort of uh like frivolous uh reading thing like if she's reading like fashion mags or something yeah. i don't know anyway i just it, i felt like this reinforces the the portrayal of howard's character like in the in the film he he does just come across as this unpleasant little thing but here you you get the kind of disaffectedness and the jadedness mm-hmm. of him yeah. in a much more like, real way. Yeah, the backstory of him is essentially that like he's, you know, he was an idealistic like yeah. baby boomer who like ended up like giving up on his dreams and sold out and he feels really bad about yeah. it. Like based on like the description, it kind of sounds like maybe kind of beat artisty, like he wanted to be a writer and he had a working class job to pay the mm-hmm. bills. <laughs> uh in the movie, there's a picture of him as a hippie, which I don't think we get a sense of in the novel that that's his background. But clearly, there's something sort of countercultural about they Howard, that he was and a he sold singer. out, and he feels bad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a definite like there's a like a, it's almost a picture of depression, like yeah. in a real serious yeah. way. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, every I mean, it seems like everyone Absolutely. here has. Been yeah, it was very much like a flowered child picture of him as a as a hippie, which is definitely, yeah. I think, a different vi- visual of this. But again, if 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 uh, Wiener is basing this off of uh, the uh, the screenplay, a lot of that sort of set dressing, set design stuff would have come uh, later in the process. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that that the set dresser uh, who mocked up that photo of him as a hippie and this novel went in different directions. But still, this kind of idea of well, him as yeah, this sort of counter cultural sellout. Uh, I, I think, I think is, the know, thing you didn't hear that I said is that the novel talks about him having been a folk singer, mm. well, which mm. kind of oh. fits with you know hippie and folk. I guess are, yeah. are not uh, in Congress. Yeah. Yep. I fucking love this. This is a great book. Good Do we book. know if really name is pronounced Wiener? I guess I had been Could pronouncing be Wiener. Wiener. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how his name is pronounced. I feel like... He was an, I feel like he was an editor of House... National Lampoon. If he didn't go by a Wiener, he was leaving a joke on the table. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, Wiener... I feel like I, every time I've seen that name... Joke. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, any any other specific chapters we want to talk about? How hot chapter eight is? So hot! Uh, oh yeah! Talk about chapter eight. Uh, no, I mean, I I just think like as I said earlier, like I think you know the the Beverly like sort of coming on to him and like it being a joke. I think like it's played again because we have this sort of sense of interiority of him. Like you, you sort of get the sense of like. He sort of feels confident about like the kind of you know flirty games that he plays with women, and then this sort of sense of oh shit, oh shit, she's she's actually she into it. She called me on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I think helps a lot. Uh, oh, I will say one change that I, I found really interesting: uh, the scene where uh, Beverly, right after she's met uh, Howard and they've gone back to her place and she's looking through his wallet, there is no condom in the novel. Yes, I noticed that. I appreciated that. Yes. Interesting. And and watching it again last night, I had forgotten that it's an open condom. It's just a free <laughs> condom, not in any kind of wrapper. It's <laughs> disgusting. Wow. Uh, I wow. assume there was yeah. some sort of discussion of another... a, a condom wrapper won't read as a condom on screen or something like that. But like, do, it's do you very think, weird. Do you think Lucas weighed in on that decision? <laughs> I believe he 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 did. Yes, That's Lucas in the middle of his terrible terrible divorce and uh, spiraling. Don't goes, hide it. Just, it. just take it, it off. It doesn't look like just a take condom. It off. Just show it. Just have <laughs> a loose condom among well, uh, his. Uh, just, just take it off. Just show it. Go ahead. Just show it. It's like poetry. I'd like to read. Uh, Any other change? Okay. Where are you going, Ducky? Beverly yawned. To that lab, the duck groused. 
<laughs> I don't think I caught that one. But he certainly uses squawked a lot more to describe various kinds of exclamations than he normally would. Oh, and there's a great part where uh, right near the end, I think near the end of chapter eight, uh, he's like, uh, Howard ducked under the tarp. No, I, no, 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 he didn't. Never mind. Fuck that. Like, he, he's also getting kicked the puns. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is this is maybe the kind it's a novelization that uh, a screenwriter could, or you know, like a director could dream someone would. Can you imagine if they made a movie film? out of this? <laughs> <laughs> um, th- there was uh, one thing that I did think was interesting. And- anyway, I found it as as the truck pulled to a stop, he ducked. All right, he crawled below the tarpaulin. <laughs> <laughs> Again, these sort of these sort of moments, like, are you okay. getting sick of these duck puns? Who wouldn't? Uh, like, yeah. Again, there's a there's a there's a lovely sort of knowingness that uh, Wiener Wiener Weiner, however his name is pronounced, McGillicuddy, uh, is in, is inserting here. McClunky. Yeah. <laughs> McClunky. McClunky. There's a um, one thing that I think is interesting in terms of like to actually make a note of a difference between the uh, yeah. film and the thing that is not between the lines. Uh, we meet. In the film, we meet Doctor Jenning, uh, Jeffrey Jones's character, when uh, Phil and Carter come to pick Howard up. Like Jenning is with them, and we see. Yeah, him that was that. Yeah. And we never meet Jenning before uh, his his uh, Dark Overlord possession in the novel. Yeah, I'm, and I'm and I'm really curious because I haven't read read further. But you know, I one of my complaints or like questions about the movie has been like. The weird way that they just entirely ignore everything that Dr. Jenning is saying, like his like sort of rantings about being possessed by the dark yeah. overlords of the oh, universe. Yeah. And they're just like, get a load of this guy, huh? <laughs> and I'm really curious to see how Wiener handles that. I mean, I, yeah, I maybe in the book, the excuse is just like, they don't know him. They haven't met him yet. So as yeah, far as they're concerned, yeah. this is I, just, I just noticed that as well, like that Jenning is not there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an- another another moment that is, again is just sort of Wiener sort of throwing his hands up and going like I guess uh, is when um, Carter puts the tape on and he's like explaining it. It's like don't ask why we made this. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Right. That's really we good. filmed this for for reasons I'm not going to explain. <laughs> oh god. Uh, is there anything else that you guys? <laughs> this was shot during the experiment. Don't ask me why. Yes. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about from the first half of this book? I'm not trying to think of any other sort of major changes. I think we covered most of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, I'm really excited for the second half. Like, and I cannot believe I was saying this. Like, there's a good chance, guys. I'm literally just going to read the rest of this within the next week before we have a chance to. Like, there's, there's a very real chance I'm, I'm gonna ignore my library book and just blow through. This is great. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would say another sort of good change here is that like uh, Beverly's band also gets a lot more attention yeah, here. Cherry yeah, like they yeah. have they have character names and like the dealing the stuff with Ginger is uh, is dealt with in a way that it's not until that sort of fight scene uh, in the bar that we see Ginger, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's until after that scene where he goes up and gives them the money. Other yep. than like seeing them perform yeah. very briefly during uh, during that part where he gets thrown into the club at the beginning, that we see any part of it. Like in the novel, they have a big conversation after it, and like Beverly's like, "I need to walk home alone. I need to like, you know, if I don't, I need some time to myself." And like we cut in the movie just straight there. There's no sort of conversation there. So like Renette and the other ones, you know, they're not incredibly well drawn characters, but there's much more of a sense of there being more than three characters. They don't come across novel. as extras. Yeah. Yes. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I and Renette, also. Renette, like you know. Oh yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say I. I. This is. It's. Un, you. You finish because mine is a different subject. Oh, I was just gonna say like yeah. Again, I think you know using Renette as like the connective tissue for Beverly and Phil to know each other, and they have that sort of moment of like there's again an explanation as to why Phil is there later that Renette and Phil got back together. And there's, you know, kind of a self-deprecating moment between Renette and uh, uh, and Beverly that I think works really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I think, you know, I think, like, how the fuck Phil fits into the movie is, like, one of the biggest questions we've had the last, you know, three or four times we've watched it. 
And here, like, you know, yeah, he's still kind of an oddball and sort of obviously doesn't entirely fit in this sort of, you know, hard rock world. But, you know, yeah, he makes sense. Yeah. He's, he's, he's justified in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. Wiener was like, how the fuck do I get them to this, uh, to this <laughs> void? Like, fuck it. Renette dated him. Yeah. I, I will just say that my, um, the, the, the other, I have one of the chains I kind of liked, and it's less a change and more uh, a revealing is, uh, Howard does not actually know Quack Fu. Yes. That's literally like he oh, took yeah. he took he took like a couple of weeks of it, then dropped out, and he's literally just using it as a bluff and just gets lucky enough in the fight. And I'm like, and that really does feel super noiry. Like that that feels like a very <laughs> noir. Like he's punching way above his fighting weight. Um, yeah. and he's got lucky a few times. I really yeah. like that. He, he again, it, the ice pick through the earring. Let's say that was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and then also the moment of he found another ice pick on yeah. this, in this age of ice cube makers. Um, again, yeah, there's a lot of sort of putting a hat on it, kind of acknowledging the artificiality. And again, I have to imagine that, like, you know, Ellis is reading the screenplay and he gets that quack, that quack foo line. It's like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Fuck it, he doesn't know Quack Fu. I'm not going to write that he knows Quack Fu. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, There's no such thing as Quack Fu. They have municipal uh, baths. That's what I'm going to do uh, Do here, world building-wise. Fuck your Quack Fu. Uh, I, I, so, I've been reading The Dark Tower this year, and I, I just read book six, and I took a break to read this. And so what you're saying is the, the novelization tower. of Howard the Duck was a return to normal, sober, <laughs> grounded reality after book six of The Dark Tower. Yes, yeah, uh, but as I've been reading The Dark Tower, a number of bizarre uh, coincidences have occurred. For instance, uh, Hillary and I have always called the, the cats babies, uh, you know, our menagerie of cats. Mm-hmm. And then I started calling them babbies. Like, I would do it occasionally, but then one day Hillary said babies, and I said, no, babbies and then the next day they used the word babbies in the dark tower like the next day i was reading it and i came across the word babbies for mm-hmm. i think the first time it's possible that they had used it before mm-hmm. but yeah uh i so, yeah it was very strange how the wheel turns and, man yes yeah uh, as, then- as roland grows grows gets closer to the tower uh all things uh shift and change but i uh, i'm just i'm flipping through the book and i came across this passage at the end of i guess chapter one uh he sat up aching and weary exhausted and in a bad mood sighed oi you can say that again howard which <laughs> every time someone says oi in the dark tower yeah. oi responds oi <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, uh yeah the, and there's a great moment again when they get under that tarp there where it's like and they may have kibitzed it's a free country <laughs> uh yeah um yeah also it was really weird where a few days after that you got attacked by uh dr doom robots uh wielding explosive uh golden snitches yeah yes yeah that that did happen uh to me i remember in that real life yeah. yes absolutely i sent out a group text about it how could you guys yeah. not remember it's you know it's the new knockout game all the kids are doing it and they're so <laughs> and everyone's scared about it. <laughs> But uh, you hear about this new dangerous game your kids may be playing. Are your kids <laughs> wolves of the calling? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're doing jankum out on the kala. Uh, so I, uh, another bizarre coincidence. I had I'd been reading The Dark Tower, and I took a break uh, from it to read The Talisman uh, when Hillary and I went to Ocean oh, City uh, in like, mid-September. And so the beginning of the talisman, it, it opens uh, down the beach from a seasonal amusement park that has just closed the week before uh, in mid-September. Um, and we were at Ocean City, which is a seasonal like boardwalk mm-hmm. place. Uh, and we were there, I think, on September 5th or something. So it's like mm-hmm. a week just, uh... before the date of the novel in a setting that is almost exactly that of the novel, except in Virginia or Maryland instead of uh, New Hampshire, uh, which was also, uh, I had a weird existential argument with a seagull while not entirely sober. And then later I read a passage where the main character has an existential argument with a seagull. This is some uh, in the mouth of madness exactly shit, dude. The same thing to the seagull <laughs> I had said earlier that day Which was? to a seagull when I thought I had given this particular seagull a chip, but I later realized 
I was wrong, and it was a different seagull who had gotten the chip. <laughs> All right. I think I just have one question. Are you telling me that there is a Stephen King novel not set in Maine? Yes. Uh, Christine's not set in Maine. Nor Maine? is The Shining. Uh, well, yeah, most uh, of them are set uh, also, I'm just joking, but like, just... Uh, oh, of course. But uh, also, this is a serious podcast. City, you need to I turned on the up. TV, and there was a. Uh, it was in the middle of a film, uh, and I was just flipping through the channels, and I got to a, a scene. I was like, "This looks very strangely familiar," and I realized it was the scene in Creep Show, which I had never seen, but I'd read the graphic novel like 20 years ago in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the scene where a guy's buried up to his head in sand. It's uh, Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. Mm, uh, but anyway, it's a creep show by Stephen King. Uh, and I was like, this is very strange. So then I, the next day, I turned on the TV again, and there was another Stephen King movie on. So I think I had just, like, stumbled into, like, a TCM, uh, like, you know, marathon of Stephen King films, uh, which was not that unusual, I'm sure, given that he's America's most prolific and beloved author. Yeah, hmm. but and there's a lot strange. of movies based on him. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, a lot. There was a. Uh, I just finished watching uh, all of uh, Billy on the Street that's on Netflix, and there's one round where he plays a a game of where is this Stephen King novel set, and it's like <laughs> it's like a dozen dozen novels, and every single one is made. So it's just him yelling like you know the talisman, at, at like, and, and it takes the person doing the game like a while to catch on. So like mm-hmm. e- like even after it's clear to anybody who knows anything about Stephen King that like all of these yeah. answers are gonna. Be be made she's still going like new hampshire <laughs> but fantastic anyway this has been the dark tower interlude yeah yes. coming up some references to i look forward to hearing what you think of uh whatever the seventh one is called what is the seventh one the called? dark tower. tower is it really just called the... okay that yeah. that would explain it's, why it's I could called not the, the dark title. tower book seven the dark tower, <laughs> the dark tower. it's All right, called fair. Which I suppose, in a way, there's a clue right there in the title. Yes. <laughs> Spoilers. There's a dark tower. Mm. No. But is there? Is the there? Tower. I think so. The dark, the dark tower. tower. I can't. I can't say for certain that there's a dark tower, given the way that like fiction works in those novels. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe I used those things in the same it sentence. It may be. Yeah. <laughs> it. There may be a dark tower in the novel. There may also just be a rose growing in an alley in New York. <laughs> yes. Uh, I. I'm gonna go out of them and say none of us saw the Dark Tower movie from no. a year or two ago. No. no. No, uh, it's no. been it's been a decade. I deliberately avoided it just yeah. because uh, I was worried for a moment you were about to say it's been a decade since that movie came out. I'm like, it has oh, not wow. been that long. No, no, it's it's been a decade since I've read the books. And I about once a year I say to yeah. myself, All right, it's time for me to go back and read those books again. And then I say, No, if I do that, I'll read nothing but Stephen King for two years. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been it's been a decade for me too, because yeah, I read those right after uh right after we graduated. So it was like that summer or maybe yeah. the summer afterwards. I can't uh-huh. remember. Uh but yeah, so I read I read those. Yeah, there was like a there was like a year or two of reading a lot of Stephen King's. So I read yep. those seven books. And I read Salem's, uh, Lot. Salem's Lot and Carrie and The Stand. I, I don't think I Stephen... ever. I never actually got to The Shining. I still have not read The Shining. It's I good. read a lot of Stephen King right after college and yeah, right after moving too. to Los Angeles. And I read a lot in high school. I read school. all the way up to the fourth Dark Tower novel in high school, Dark and then Tower. you know he took a massive hiatus, and yeah. then I just never got around to it finishing uh, it i mean they're really weird fucking books but i would recommend finishing the dark tower i, yeah. I, I kind of yeah. want to just on general yeah. principles good. just uh, to see how goddamn crazy he gets in uh wolves of the kala and song yeah. of Susanna and the dark tower the, those uh, those novels go so goddamn far off the rails it's amazing yeah anyway does anyone I have never read a Stephen King novel. Way, way back up, back up, back up, back up. Back up, back up. Uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. There are many Wait. good ones to choose from. Yeah, Derek, Derek uh, you've never read The other read one I've read this year was It. Any Stephen King novel? I have not. And you seem to be interpreting that <laughs> to mean I would like recommendations for Stephen King novels, <laughs> but I would not. <laughs> well, fair enough. How about, how about a Joe Hill recommendation? How about a, how about a Richard Bachman novel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about The Running Man? 
How about thinner? Was thinner a Bachman? I think I that's think one of the Bachman. It's Bachman. God, I bet. I bet when Stephen King was or when Richard Bachman was writing The Running Man, and he named his main character Benjamin Richards, he just had Arnold Schwarzenegger's face in his mind as he mm. was writing that character. <laughs> I, I've never actually oh, seen The Running Man. It's I have a terrible it's Arnold noise. I apologize. Okay, so two, I apologize. Two things. One, we have gotten so far off the rails. Yeah, but just, just much like Stephen King in writing The Dark Tower. Just ride the dragon, man. Um, no, the um, Eyes of the Dragon was the first Stephen King novel I ever read. So two two things. I have about, that. I haven't read it yet. Two things it's about good. The Running Man. Uh, first sure. of all, it's hilarious, and second of all, it is. Many, many video games have adopted their structure from The Running Man. It is a series of levels followed by boss fights. Um, yep. It also has um, maybe the laziest Arnold pun, um, which is uh, there is a boss in the, ga- in, in the game, in the movie that he kills, <laughs> named Sub-Zero, and he kills him. And then he says... Here he is, Sub-Zero. Now just plain zero. <laughs> now wow. plain zero. That's bad. Yep. Uh, I'm noticing on the back here that uh, they have spelled Duckworld differently than the novel does. They, they spell it with an O. D-O-U-C-K. No, no they, they, they spell it as one word, but I'm pretty sure in the novel itself, every time he says it, it's two words. Duck, ca- capital Duck, capital World. No, that's the British. My, uh, my copy had a few like interesting little typos and printing artifacts. Yeah, I, I, had, I, had, I, saw, I saw a couple of typos. There was one word that had I twice in a row near the end. I can't remember what word it was now. Um, mm-hmm. I saw I one that, where they just... Uh, messed up but then there were like some letters yeah, some random like letters in a space at the beginning yeah exactly yeah, yeah, i remember that it was in the upper left floodlights on page yeah page 103 at the bottom strong floodlights floodlights has two eyes so Doug, get your shit together alice wiener <laughs> or perhaps more accurately whatever published outfit published this fontana one. fontana yeah. paperbacks yeah, mm. William Collins, Son and Company Limited, NB, Glasgow, sixty-four. Yeah, this this is not a um, this is not a comment on the quality of the book, but I can imagine that when the uh, the reader was told or the editor was told, all right, your next assignment, the novelization of Howard the Duck, they might have said, all right, I'm phoning this one in. But also, I'm not giving like, this one my best. It was George Lucas's next big project. They might not have. Th- th- this mm. might have been given like top, top billing. It's impossible. Um, f- oh God! It's impossible <laughs> for me to put myself in the shoes of someone in the mid 1980s when all George Lucas had to his name, apart from like THX 1138, were staggering successes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, responding to George Lucas about anything that seemed like it could be yeah. a good or bad idea. Because, yeah. I mean, nothing like Star Wars had really existed before. I mean, things like Star Wars had kind of existed, but nothing like it had existed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, no. Like, I mean, 80s, 86 is sort of when Star Wars is kind of on the, on the down, uh, the down mm-hmm. slope. Uh, but I mean, this is. Uh, let's see. If, if uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right I'm now, trying, if you go uh, through Indi- every... when is Indiana like when are the Indiana Jones? So if you go through, like... I'm, I'm just going to read Lucas's uh, filmography from Wikipedia up to the point of Howard the Duck, and it's everything that he is credited as an EP, a writer, or a director on. Yeah. Uh, THX 1138, American Graffiti, Star Wars, more American Graffiti, which is an afterthought, but he was. Oh. It's his. I name didn't even know that existed. Yep. Uh, Kagemusha. Um, the Kurosawa film. I had forgotten he had a hand Wait, he has anything to do with that? Yeah, it was an EP on it. Because yeah. he loved oh, Kurosawa. Wow. Um, I, I guess I didn't... Yep. I mean, I've seen... I own Kagamusha. That's the one about the shadow double for the king, right? Yes. Like the Wait, lookalike? No. Okay. I don't know. Um, Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Body Heat, Return of the Jedi, uh, something called Twice Upon a Time, um, which appears to be is. like a small-scale animated film. Hmm. Uh, Temple of Doom, uh, something called Latino, uh, which just looks like a kind of an art film. Uh, oh, Haskell Wexler. EP on uh, Mishima, Life in Four Chapters, Labyrinth. That was his filmography up until Howard the Duck. 
I had forgotten that he was involved in Labyrinth too. I didn't know um, he was. Also, I'm, surp- I'm honestly I'm surprised that he has as many things on his filmography at that point as he does. Howard the but Duck yeah, I mean, is certainly... almost the exact midpoint of his filmography. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. But yeah, I mean, again, like yeah, obviously there's a bunch of things where like I don't remember that, but like at this point he has where, made where like, does strange six of the magic biggest movies of all time? Strange Magic was 2015, <laughs> <laughs> so kind of later. <laughs> Three movies later. Yeah. Um, so, um, has anyone seen that? that? I have not seen that. No, I've not heard of it. Oh, it's it's like a, oh. a jukebox musical oh. that he made a couple years ago. It's like an animated <laughs> I, film with Alan Cumming and Evan Rachel Wood. I recall he he was quoted as saying like this is a movie that he'd been trying to make for forty yeah, years. Yeah, it was a passion <laughs> project for him. Yeah, it was a, it it was a huge bomb. Uh, it yeah, was like, have like single digits on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, budget hundred million dollars. Box office thirteen million dollars. <coughs> well, that's <laughs> better than I was. Uh, What's that Rotten Tomatoes score? Seventeen percent. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. Um, One out of five people rave. I feel like there was a point I wanted to make about George Lucas, and I've uh, I've lost it. Does anyone have any? Do we want to sort of? Clo- do we have any closing thoughts we want to make about um, this? Oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think we should have closing thoughts. We still have half a book to read. Mm-hmm. You have a good point. I will. I will say. I thought Lucas. of one other. Uh, one other George Lucas related inscrutable pun in the movie. In his apartment, he has a poster for a Indiana Jones movie, and it's called Breeders of the Lost Ark. And breeder just seems like a weird pun. Yeah. 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 Not, ra- not Raiders of the Lost Duck. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. Raiders of the Lost Egg. You know, there's a yes. lot of ways you can go. Oh, uh, yeah. My favorite duck pun. Uh, I um, feel like duck park. Drakers, Raiders Drakers, of the Lost Park. Drakers of the Lost Ark. There you go. My, but my breeders, f- just like I don't associate ducks with breeding. Nope. My favorite. Well, Howard the Duck is uh, kind of infamously horny, right? I yep. mean, isn't that kind of his? I mean, yeah. Known quantity. I mean, we we get an entire thing about like all of his. Le- <laughs> Like the six or seven women he's fucking back on Duck World, <laughs> and why all of them kind of suck. My favorite duck pun, I, I, I've remembered it now, uh, was the reference to the continent of Dafrica. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Uh, but Kareem Abdul Jabarn Swallow is very good. I want to know Shit. what his name was before he changed it to Kareem Abdul Jabbar Swallow. <laughs> what is the Lou Alcindor equivalent on Duck World? <laughs> Flu Alcindor. Lou Fowles. Lou Fowles. There we go. Lou Alcindor. That's it. <laughs> no one pitch on that. That's good. Yep. All right. Uh, do we have a timeline on how we are? Uh... I I don't want to bring this bad boy, the the, mm. the nice microphone, along with me for obvious reasons. But if you guys don't mind me with a probably slightly lower audio quality, I'm sure I, I don't can know. We're really, out. really strict about the audio quality. Yeah, I mean, I think our I think our one listener just like, are we going to lose Josh that way? Justin, his name is Justin. Are you guys saying that I don't need to mute it while I'm eating anymore? He was at your way. I, iTunes review from Justin, one star. Got my name wrong. 